Welcome back to a Clubfoot Mom podcast. I am your host and fellow Clubfoot Mom, Maureen Hoff. On today's episode, we welcome back Angie England, the mother of Erin England, who were both previous guests on the podcast last year to discuss Aaron's treatment for his residual deformity. Angie and I had stayed in touch after we recorded that podcast, and one of the things that we thought would be helpful was to talk about traveling during treatment. This podcast episode is really dedicated to traveling and travel tips for relapse or residual deformity treatment, which there are a a fair number of parents out there who do travel for that. And that can look very different than traveling with a baby. And so Angie was gracious enough to come on and talk about her experience, things that she thought was helpful, things, kind of tips and tricks and that sort of thing. And so I'm so grateful for her willingness to share her experience in a little bit more depth of exactly what was helpful for her. So let's just jump in. Hi, Angie. Welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for us to have this conversation because I do think it's very pertinent for a lot of people in the United States who do have to travel for their kids' clubfoot treatment. So I'm excited for us to record this podcast and appreciate your willingness to tell us all the stories about you and Aaron's experience. Yeah, totally. Well, yeah, let's just jump in and let's, so in the original podcast that you guys were on, um, we heard about Aaron's relapse diagnosis and some of the treatment in your previous podcast, but can you just tell us about like what made the decision to travel? Like what was the deciding factor? How did you guys come to making the decision to travel for his treatment? So for his treatment in general, or just primarily for the surgery with yeah, the relapse? For the, I think for the surgery, like for the relapse. I mean, you guys did, I guess it's good for them to know that you also traveled. Yeah. State, but still California is a big state. So right. tell us both. What made you make right. you travel? So I think that... Yeah, I think that we're in a particularly interesting situation, too, because even though we are in California, we're kind of in like this weird little pocket of California where there's not a whole lot of specialty care. Yeah. And um, so initially, when he was an infant, we had a really bad experience at our local hospital with... um, you know, I mean, they were kind of following like this modified Ponsetti. They weren't using plaster casts. And we were having problems with like cast slipping and stuff like that. And after his initial um, tenotomy, we had, a, we had a very unfortunate experience in that whole surgical situation. Um, and so we had had a follow-up appointment. I don't know if I shared this last time, but we had a follow-up appointment a week after his tenotomy and they un like they took the cast down and repositioned him again. And that was like horrific because they couldn't give him any pain meds because he had had a reaction the first time around. I mean, I mean he was little, but it was as a mom, it was horrifying. Um, and our surgeon at the time was kind of very nonchalant about it. Just like, all right like we can fix it later and I was like that's just 
you know, I think I may have said it last time, but like this was before the days that there were the commercials of like, there's times when okay is not okay. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I, <laughs> I feel like we were like the, the inventors of that. Cause I was like, this is a situation where okay is not okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and so, um, and so then that's when I started like hitting the, the communities really heavily and figuring out, you know, where we could go for treatment and who we could talk to. And so I don't, it's, it's funny for me to think about, well, how did you make that decision to travel? Because I don't feel like it was a decision. I feel like it was just, these are our options for treatment. Like this is what we've got to do, you know? Um, you know, and, and we're, we're so fortunate to be able to have, to have the ability and the means to do that. Like, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Cause I know there's so many people that, that don't have the ability to do that for their, their kids, but it was just kind of like, Hey, if we can't get the treatment here, like we're going to get the treatment. So right, we're going right. to go wherever it takes. So since the time he was six weeks old, we've been traveling, you know, at least three and a half hours one way, um, for, for treatment. So, when he started to have, you know, his residual symptoms or, you know, relapse. Um, again, I don't feel like there was like this big decision, like, do we or don't we? It mm. was, um, it was, you know, here, you know, and in the community, you know, I feel like almost everybody knows Dr. Dobbs by name and yeah. um, understands that, you you know, we didn't have to be within the community for very long before we started to understand that like he was the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. and because Dr. Rodriguez, who we saw in California worked so closely with Dr. Dobbs. Yeah. um, It just seemed like a natural transition. It wasn't, there really wasn't a consideration for anything local because from what we understood, there wasn't really, there wasn't really anybody local (laughs) and your experience with anybody local hadn't been okay right right and so you know I mean we're we like to travel as a family so it was kind of like well this is just traveling with a different set of circumstances so you know for us there there was never really that big that big decision of do we or don't we it was just this is this is what we got to do you know I mean after listening to your pod it's funny because now I realize that like outside of our area in California, there are, there are other options. You know, we went South, we could have gone North and maybe found somebody that was a little more local, but you know, I think just that scary, that scary feeling of having the residual or, you know, that dreaded word of relapse was enough to kind of push us to the direction of like, we don't want to mess around anymore. We want to go to the guy who's, name is out there who we know is going to like, we don't want to do this again. Yeah. Um, so we're going to, we're going to go with the guy that, that everybody recommend, you know, quote unquote, everybody recommends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that all makes sense. And I appreciate you sharing that because I do think a lot of parents kind of go, you know, should I travel? What should, you know, and if I'm not happy with the care that I have locally, it's it's a hard decision for families to make, right? But you feel like what is the what is the other option? I mean, we were in kind of a similar boat where we were like, there's a lot of doctors in our area, but we were never fully trusting of any of them, right? And so that part became 
you know, that seed of doubt that's like kind of placed and you're like, okay, I'm going to do something different. But I think that it's important to note that it's like, that's not an option for everybody. And so that part is tricky to try to decide. And I'm, I try to be really sensitive when I'm talking to parents about not being like, okay, well, you need to get a second opinion and go this other place because the reality is that's not available for everybody. And that's difficult because what, you know, and I try to go what, what worked for me didn't work for everybody. So I just want to put that out there that Angie and I are very sensitive to that too. And this is just for us to give some insight into what Angie experienced for her traveling so that uh, if other people are kind of in that vein or thinking about it or having to travel, these are kind of tips and stuff that helped for her and Erin on their journey. Right, right. Absolutely. I, my heart breaks for people who, you know, anywhere, but especially in my area, because they ask me and I'm like, my, my solution is to travel, but I know that that's not available to everybody, you know? And I think that the other thing that's worth saying too, is I, you know, I, I feel like with, you know, with internet searches now and stuff like that, it's, it's not quite as much, but I also feel like there's this general understanding of like, well, people don't know that they have the options to get second opinions. They don't know that it's okay to question doctors. Yeah. And maybe it's because Tim and I are both in the medical field and, um, you know, I've, sorry, I've been questioning doctors for a long time, (laughs) but you know, I mean, you know, with, with my experience, like I, you know, I was one of those nurses that was bringing up baby doctors as they were coming out of residency and stuff. So I've had that relationship and, and we know that it's okay to get a second opinion. Yeah. You know, if you're, you know, your kid and if your gut is telling you that this doctor's missing something and I'm not, I'm not trying to be critical of, you know, of physicians and that sort of thing, but it is, it is okay to question it and it is okay to get a second opinion, but I feel like a lot of people just don't know that. Yeah. Um, and it's in our area, like I said, it's, it's a, it's a very, very sad situation because almost anybody who's in the medical field for any specialty travels outside of the central Valley to get specialty care. Mm. So it wasn't strange to us. You know, because all of our friends, if their kids have to see a pulmonologist, they go out of town if they have to see, you know, so it's, it's something that's not strange to where we Mm -hmm. are, but I understand that it's very strange for a lot of people to just be like, well, don't you just go to the doctor around the corner? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Um, Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great point too. I do think that is something that is difficult for a lot of parents, like, you know, I talk about that openly about before my cutie came along, it was like, doctor knows best. Like we have thankfully a really great pediatrician who I never really had, you know, doubts about, but there were doctors that I had come into contact with across the thing where I was like, "Eh, I don't know if that, you know, if that's exactly right. But I wasn't used to this like knowledge that it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to get a second opinion. And it's, and you got to really listen to yourself and trust that your instincts are very valuable too, as a parent, like that's part of the big message that I try to impart to parents is just like, you are really important in this situation and nobody goes home with your baby except you. Like nobody goes home with your kid nightly 
except you. And so you really have to step into that role of looking at yourself as a partner on the team and not somebody that's being told, you know, directions. It's, but it's tricky. It gets, it's not, it doesn't come that it doesn't come naturally for me. And I talk about that. Like it's hard. It was hard for me to, you know, to go to listen to my instincts and kind of go, oh, this doesn't feel right. And it was okay that it was just that it didn't feel right. And that was a good enough reason for me to be like, no, nah, we're going to switch. Right. Um, so yeah, it's both. And I think it's, it's, we're trying to be sensitive to everybody who isn't, doesn't have that same ability, but it is while imparting the knowledge that you can ask for a second opinion if needed and you deserve to, right. That's something that is warranted if you feel it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's jump in with like, let's start with flying because I always think it's so interesting to think about. So as everybody knows, my uh, cutie, if you follow along, just graduated from her boots and bar. And so we're like out of boots and bar, which is like such a weird phase. Cause now I'm just like waiting, like waiting to see what happens. <laughs> and I don't feel like I've gone from a very active role to like a passive role. Now I'm like, okay, just watching all the time to see if anything happens. So the idea of having to um, go through more treatment and then to travel with it with a kid that's older, like that's, it's so different than traveling with a baby. Um, so anyways, let's start with the flying. How did you choose like where you were like the flight piece? What airline did you choose? How did you go about making those decisions? So I, I like primarily made the decision based on direct flights. Okay. Because I I didn't want to, I didn't want to have to deal with doing a transfer, mostly because there were some of the flights that I was doing by myself with Aaron. And mm -hmm. I just felt like that was going to be um, a, a huge challenge. And so I didn't want to have to worry about that. So, you know, a couple of times, because again, where we are in, in California, there's very few places that our airport flies to um, gotcha. directly. Yeah. So we would, you know, we would drive, you know, so we did like the drive and then fly and whatever. Um, and so because at the time Dobbs was in St. Louis mm -hmm. um, and that's one of the, you know, like central hubs for Southwest. Mm -hmm. That's why. So that was primary reason that we chose Southwest was so that we could go directly Okay. The other reason, and I know, I mean, I know it's so unpopular to talk about Southwest. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for poor Southwest. I know. I know. They've really been taking a beating this past year. <laughs> not that it's undeserved, but it's you know, not undeserved, just, but yes, we can still feel, feel so bad. bad. Yeah. So, you know, the other thing that I had to consider was seating mm. because, you know, when you have a child, you can't sit in the exit rows, but Aaron mm. is not a small kid. And mm -hmm. with two, you know, he had the bilateral cast on, wow. he would not have been able to fit in a regular seat. Okay. I mean, I guess he may have been able to sit sideways, but it would have been, you know, it would have been very precarious. Okay. Um, so with Southwest, it worked out really well because, as 
like having a disability, you get to board first because, you know, Southwest is the weird, like just mayhem for picking seats. Um, And so, but for us at this particular time, that worked to our advantage. Yeah. Because then we could board first and then get the bulkhead seats that provided him the room. Mm. Um, You know, and I, I mean, I have to, I have to say, I, again, this was, this was four years ago now, three years ago now, Uh, this staff, I I mean, I have very, I have very few um, complaints about Southwest because they worked really well for us. And this staff was absolutely amazing. Mm. Um, You know, they were just so compassionate and would pull Aaron up to the front and you know, let him ask questions, let him talk to the pilot, let him do, you know, I mean, everybody was really, really cool. And it was, it was really nice because there were several times that we were traveling with other people that were in wheelchairs or had disabilities and whatnot. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like anybody, like people in general were just like this period of our life was just such a blessing as far as how people were because people in general on the flight were so nice to him because mm-hmm. you know he's this little kid with these big casts and this yeah. picture and yeah, um, you know, and so what we would have to do is just take the wheelchair, you know, what what is that little tunnel thing that <laughs> that's called that like gets you on the plane? I don't know what that's called. <laughs> I don't know, like. You take it all the way to like the, the door. Of the yeah, plane. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Like that little thing where they're waiting for the gate and then they're like waiting, you know, you're like waiting for someone to bring it out. I don't know what it, the official terminology is for it. Yeah. And so then I would have to pick him up from there mm. and then just carry him on, which like I said, was a, was kind of a feat for us because yeah. He, yeah. he's overall a large child. And then with the added weight of the cast, it was quite, um, but then, and then they would take our wheelchair from there, which was kind of a disadvantage because it, it did get broken during our last transport, but it wasn't like a critical piece. It was just like one of the adjustment knobs. And it's kind yeah. of like, once you check that wheelchair, it's, it's theirs and it's, yeah, I know. you know, but there's no other option. Like they don't have any other options for it. So it's kind of, that part is a bad situation. And I don't know if that changes from airline to airline or if that's just them um but so you know I mean so if you have a smaller child Mm -hmm. that still has the bilateral or if they only have one then picking assigned seats and stuff like that may not be all that bad yeah Um, you know and now that he's in Florida I don't know what airlines fly directly into like where he's at yeah yeah but that makes sense. I think that's helpful just for parents to know in general of like, you're thinking about seating, you're thinking about the size of the seat, you're thinking about boarding process, how you choose your seat, um, the staff. And I just, you know, we've had some uh, precarious situations with Southwest recently, <laughs> and I will say that, but um, it hasn't always been great. But At the same time, to that vein, I have always kept the perspective that it's not the staff and the people who are working for Southwest that are causing the issues, right? So I think if we keep that in mind of like the staff is, it's separate from them. It's almost like it's even hard for them because they're bearing the brunt of the daily 
issues that are coming across when it's like, this isn't even our fault. Like we didn't even do do anything. And so I think it's important to say that for Southwest because it is, like you said, the staff was always super nice. And I think that boarding process is important to think about. And I think the direct flights is important. I think that never, it's hard. And maybe like you said, we have here in Denver, like the airport, we have a local airport, which like goes nowhere and is super expensive. But like, you know, we drive 30 minutes to the big airport. But like, how was it going through security? So it, it actually wasn't, it wasn't all that bad. Okay. Um, again, one thing that I would do for like anybody that's flying with kids, if it's within your means is to get the TSA pre-check. We didn't yeah. do that until after we were done with all of this. And <laughs> in hindsight, it would have been like super helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, but you, you know, the, the other thing is, is that we, we really limited our carry on, um, like luggage or whatever. Okay. And okay. part of it's because, you know, we were, we were traveling to St. Louis. So, and we were going to be there for a while. So I yeah. felt like it's, I mean, it's not like a remote area. If we lose stuff, like I can go to the store and get it. It's not, you know, yeah. Yeah. so I limited my carry on stuff to just kind of like a few like items for what, you know, Aaron would need. We did have to take, um, I did take like one carry on like suitcase because it was super helpful for him while we were waiting for everybody to board. Aaron experienced quite a bit of discomfort and pain when he was in his bilateral, like the cast, if they were dependent. So whenever they were, so the one thing, like if, if anybody is driving with kids in this area, like in the the big cast for relapse, Yeah. Is we always would have to prop his feet up because if they were dependent for him, they were so heavy that it would cut off his circulation and just like his, and he was kind of, he was in a booster too, because he was still so small. Wow. I mean, I say small, yeah. he was big, but he was small, you know, he was still small enough to have to be in a booster, but I mean, he's a solid guy. Yeah. Um, so with the way that works with his legs, it would just cut off the circulation in the car. So underneath the seat, we would, we would have it, we just stacked, I forget if we put like boxes and then like a blanket or a pillow or something so that his feet would be kind of lifted Elevated. the whole time. Yeah. So we had like one hard suitcase so that we could put it in front of him and the staff was really nice and we would put it in front of him to put his feet up on until like the minute we were ready to mm-hmm. take off and then we would throw it above us for takeoff. And then as soon as we reached like the height, that we could, we would pull it back down so that he could prop his feet up on it while we were going. Um, Because if not, then, I mean, if you have a sensitive child like Aaron, like you would have to sit with his legs like sideways. Sideways. The hardest one is coming home after the surgery because Mm. I mean, for us, like he was still super swollen and super sore. Mm. So, um, so back to security. So, we would, you know, we would kind of limit it to that one bag and then maybe like a backpack that we would throw on the back of the, um, the wheelchair for him with like stuffed animals or whatever to help him. Um, and then his blanket. So if you have the limited that equipment and then you go through and like, you just have to plan ahead for the timing, right? Cause they're always going to pull the wheelchair aside and do yes. like the wand and those, yeah. those weird uh-huh. little swab things. Yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. 
But in addition to that, on our very last flight, so we're talking about like over six flights now, our very last flight coming home, our TSA agent looked at us and was like, you guys know about TSA cares, right? And we were like, no. And so he gave us a business card and, you know, I don't even, you may want to put something in a, the bio link or something, but yeah. there's, if you go to tsacares.com, okay. there's a link that you can put in to request special assistance. So basically you just put it in there and tell them that you're going to be coming with a child in a wheelchair on this date for this flight. You put in all the information and they're like, they will help get you through the system. So I, I, to be honest, like we never even had the opportunity to try it because it was our last flight home. But from what the person told us is it sounds like maybe you wouldn't even need the TSA pre-check or anything. They just kind of like, they would move things along. Yeah. So if you're in a really big, busy airport. Yeah. I mean, DIA is like, I haven't gone there recently where the line for security is not insane. And yeah. we have pre, we just recently got pre-check and the kids are young enough to go through it. And thankfully that's not, you know, and the nice thing about pre-check too, is like, you don't have to like take all the stuff out and you don't right. have to take shoes off and you don't have to like, so it just moves the it along quicker and if you have enough moving parts as it is to let yeah. alone you know have to take everything out and put everything back in so that's great though yeah I'll put a link in the bio and do some research about it and make sure and link it to any social media stuff too because I it makes sense to me that they would have something like that right yeah. there are people flying all over the country all the time for medical treatment so you have to assume that they have some way of helping those people right but what a bummer that you didn't even hear i know nobody i know said anything to you for the first six flights you're like no cool, cool, cool. And they, well i mean and they were all like super nice and super helpful and whatever yeah. but i have a feeling like it'll help like fast track things because we did yeah. have to put in extra time because we knew that we were gonna have yeah. to like pull aside and um and so, but yeah, okay. but I mean, I would, and there's a phone number too, that I think you can call and set it up by phone. If you're more comfortable doing it over the phone than on the link. Okay. And do you, did you have to push him? Like, did you push him through security in the wheelchair, like through the security thing? And then, or did you, he have to like get out and then you put it through separately? Do you see what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no. He didn't, he didn't get out. Okay. So because a lot he, of times he couldn't. Yeah. Like for, okay. you know, for a couple of them, he could, like, there was, I mean, unless I picked him up. Yeah, no, he stayed in, like, yeah, no, he stayed in the wheelchair. Okay, good. Good. And I think they may have asked, like, I think on one or two of them, they asked like, well, can he get up? But I, I think for the most part, people looked at his situation because it was quite, it was, it was quite dramatic to see because the cast are so big. Oh, they're so big. And did he have like a bright color on them too? Oh, multiple times he had yeah, different. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like these big bright casts. And you know, I mean, most people look at casts like that, and a kid like Arid, you're like, this kid has two broken legs. There's yeah. nobody ever assumed that there was anything different than two Other broken, than broken legs. legs. That's right. And that's right. so I think only one time did they ask us if we could get out, and we were like, no, we can't get out. Yeah. And they were okay. like, okay. Um. So yeah, I mean, it it took a little extra time, but nobody gave us a really hard time, and he's he just he stayed in it. Sounds good. Yeah, I think that's all helpful. Anything else for flying that you'd recommend? Um, no, I think that's okay. pretty much. I cool. think that's pretty much it for the flying. Yeah. What? Well, so let's let's talk about accommodations now. So, you fly out. 
you have the surgery. Mm. How long are you there? How long is your, how long are you planning to stay? Like how long is that stay? The surgical one. So I've heard of people doing it multiple ways and I guess it depends on how, like what your availability is. Yeah. Yeah. So with Dr. Dobbs specifically, um, if you're treating away from him, the first several casts can be done by whatever local provider is referring you. Yeah. So, you know, so in our case, Dr. Rodriguez did the first two sets of casts uh-huh. and then the third one, Dr. Dobbs wanted to do a week before the surgery because he likes okay. to lay hands on, on which, the feet. And I, yeah. which I can respect. Totally. So, okay. so I've... I've heard of some other people in California that fly out for that third one, fly home and then fly back. Um, but that, that just wasn't efficient, efficient for us, yeah. cost effective yeah. for us. So we went out a week ahead of time. He did the cast and then, you know, we, a week later he had the surgery. Okay. And then, um, and then Dobbs will release you. I have to make sure I'm not over general generalizing this mm-hmm. for us. He, mm-hmm. it didn't benefit us to stay beyond three days. Okay. And typically they, I think that that's what he says is that they come back. So when they come out of the surgery, they have open casts. So that because of all the swelling, so like it's the casting material, but then they're slit down the sides so that mm-hmm. we don't cut off circulation because they are so very swollen yeah. and it's just wrapped loosely with an ACE bandage. Okay. Um, and then before you go home, typically Dobbs will do the hard cast. So in three days, the swelling should be down and he'll um, go back and put a hard cast around it. Okay. Um, I I, I want to say typically it's three days. It may be like three or four days, but for us, he was like leaving out of the country in three days. So it was like three days or nothing. Okay. Um, so we stayed for three days. We didn't end up getting that extra cast because we had some complications. Like Aaron was still super swollen and like we, we just couldn't. So we had made arrangements to do it when we flew back to San Diego to have it done with Dr. Rodriguez. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, you know, and I've heard of people staying longer because, you know, now that he's in Florida, they want to go do something. Um, I would say that if you're trying to like, do like club foot treatment slash vacation to do any of the fun stuff beforehand, because we were pretty miserable on the trip home. Um, And just because it like any travel at any point in time, your the legs are going to be so dependent and that's going to increase your swelling. Um, So, you know, I don't know from Mm -hmm. my experience, I would have said, Hey, I wish we would have stayed a couple more days just Mm -hmm. because I feel like it would have been a better trip home for him. Yeah. And, but I don't know if that's just our situation because he was so sensitive and so swollen and that sort of thing. Yeah. But, um, but it's good to, it's good to think about is that we can all plan. And I think that's the hard part for the traveling for me to wrap my mind around is we can all plan make the best sort of like I'm a plant person. So like, I want to make sure I get everything on board, but the reality is you don't know what you don't know. And you don't know how your child is going to respond to the surgery, what physically they're going to be feeling, what emotionally, mentally you guys are all going to be going through. So I think it's, 
yeah, one of those things where you might want to just know that maybe you stay in a place or you choose a place that maybe has extra days available if you Mm -hmm. need it, right? Like, hey, it's actually, let's stay. Or you plan to stay longer and then you leave earlier if things are going well, right? You're like, okay, let's try to adjust. You know, all of that is easier said than done, I realize. But I think it's good for parents to know that like, that's the hard part of traveling is like not knowing what what issues you're going to run into and what... um, what the experience is going to be like. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That, yeah. <laughs> it's so difficult for those of us that love to plan and love to stick to the plan because yeah. it's not going to go as planned. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it's available to have more flexible dates, then, you know, I, that's definitely something to consider because I would yeah. have, I would have never in my wildest dreams figured that we would struggle this bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you don't, I mean, I kind of like plan for the worst, but be, you know, but at the same time, you just didn't have any idea. Like yeah. you, you don't, you don't know. And so where did you guys end up staying then? Where did you choose to stay? Did you stay at a hotel? <laughs> did you stay at a Verbo? Like I've heard so many people say different mm-hmm. things. So what was your guys's experience? So and again, this is hard because everything has changed since then, right? Yeah, so because right. he was in St. Louis. Um, St. Louis Children's has their own, I would say the closest thing to like a Ronald McDonald house. Okay. So it's called the Haven house. And it was, I mean, it was yes. amazing. Yeah, they were, uh-huh. they were fabulous. And so we stayed there because it was, it was, it was a natural transition. Like they had worked with the hospital, like they could help us out as far as like navigating like to and from I mean, you meet with these people and they genuinely care so much about these kids. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and then like cost wise, there's no way we could have, I, I mean, nothing else would have matched it. Right. And so, I mean, it's, it's such a good organization and they, I mean, they really take care of these kids. So we, we stayed at the Haven house because it was, I mean, it was cost effective and it was you yeah. know, in a nice area, you know, cause we didn't, we didn't know anything about St. Louis. So we're like, if we were to pick something, I wouldn't even know where to go. Where? So, yeah. You know, so that's why we picked Good. that. Yeah. I can, the people that I've heard about since he's gone to Florida is mostly um, like Airbnb or yeah. like the Verbo because um, I don't know. I mean, I've never even looked into what the hotels are like, but yeah, and- I think it's different now that he's outside of a hospital setting. Like the Paley Institute isn't a hospital. And right. so, um, I think their affiliations might just be different and yeah. Yeah. And I think there's pluses and minuses to both. Right. Cause I would think hotels, I mean, it's hard because you're like, you're living there. So you'd have to figure out something that has like a kitchen, a fridge, you know, whatever, yeah. But at the same time, they're probably more suited to be able to accommodate a wheelchair than, you know, some Airbnbs you go in the house may not be able to accommodate the wheelchair at all. Or if your kid is anything like mine, they're going to run into the walls. (laughs) And if they're super, you know, I mean, if they're super picky about any like scuffs or whatever. Yeah, true. um, I mean, I remember we remember Aaron's wheelchair antics, so. Oh yes. Uh, Lots of wheelchair antics, you know, I mean, and even if there's carpet in the house and stuff like that, that's something to consider too. Yeah. Yeah. So how was your experience at Haven house? Our experience, 
That is such a complicated question for us. I feel like we're just a mess. So Haven House in and of itself was amazing. Yeah. Um, the problem that we had was that they were rebuilding the actual like physical Haven House when we were there. Of course they were. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So they had used a portion of, um, I think it's called a stay bridge. We don't have many of them on the West Coast, but it's kind of like, um, they're like sweet hotels right okay. so it's, yeah, it's yeah, a hotel yeah. but there's like the kitchen there's all that stuff in there yeah. and because haven house so they had had like a contract with these in fact like the haven house administrators had an office in this hotel uh, yeah they you know ran all of their stuff out of there there was a restaurant that gave us um breakfast and lunch because that yeah because that's what haven house would that's have done what, yeah right and um and I mean, the facility was great. Like the ladies were great. We had, we had a very, very unfortunate experience with some of the staff from the hotel, like Um, not Haven House. Yeah. And, um, and so the, the Haven House staff was, was remarkable and such advocates for us and came in and like fixed the problem and they actually, we ended up having to move to another hotel because of this incident. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, which wasn't nearly as, it wasn't nearly as nice because we'd had like everything mm-hmm. all set up here. But it, I mean, it was fine. It yeah. was fine. And I mean, and that in and of itself was, was such a blessing because the staff at this other hotel was tremendous. Like I can't. I can't even talk about him without getting like choked up because that's where he came back. So we spent one night in the hospital and then um, came back to the hotel and he was, he was really struggling. And I was so scared that people in the hotel were going to complain about him crying in the night and whatever. And, you know, we were constantly calling for more pillows and the, the housekeeping staff was just so compassionate mm. and so caring and just like the most remarkable humans I've ever met. So it, I mean, it ended up being perfect. Um, but that is, I mean, if they weren't so accommodating, it could have been very stressful because yeah. I mean, he was, he was in a lot of pain Yeah, and it was, it was kind of hard. And then, um, you know, I mean, so hotels are tricky too, because having even that space. So, cause when we flew back to California, he was having so much swelling and stuff that, and of course we flew back on a Friday, so we couldn't get in to see anybody <laughs> until Monday. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like, that's a good point. Um, like, and so we flew uh-huh. back on a Friday and then we ended up having to stay in San Diego for the weekend until we could see Dr. Rodriguez on Monday. And you know, we ended up because it was last minute, we just got a hotel, not even thinking. And it was real like the room itself was really small and we had a really hard time manipulating the wheelchair mm. in it. Um, and we were just kind of stuck there. Right. So, I mean, there was not much we could do. So it was, gotcha. Um, so thinking about like the size of the rooms, mm-hmm. things like that are all kind of, what do you think about location to the hospital? Do you think that that's important or re- location to wherever you are? Did you guys rent a car? We did. You're driving. Okay. Yeah. So you're we like driving. A, we rented a car because I, 
I mean, we just, we wanted the, we were there for two weeks. So we wanted the freedom, um, to be able to go and do stuff. So for, you know, for me, if, I guess it, I guess it kind of depends too on the city it, it, it is, you know, yeah. from where we were at to where the hospital was like traffic was not really a big issue. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, we were only traveling to the hospital. I mean, I guess Tim did it more than I did because I stayed the night with him, but it's only to the hospital the week before for the cast. And then the day of, so, I mean, there's, there's only like six trips to the hospital. Okay. So I don't know if like, if you have a car, I don't know if the location is that important. If the location is that important. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess if you don't, and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about the city where he's at now. So, yeah, I mean, we've stayed there once and, um, but not for like the surgery aspect of it. And I think there are a lot of options because I think it's more of a, uh, traveler destination, right? Like there are a lot more options because St. Louis isn't in my mind, a place that a lot of people travel to (laughs) just for a vacation, right? Whereas uh, West Palm Beach seems much more of like a vacation. There's more um, availability, right? Um, And there's more options, not just where he is, but outside of where he is. And I think it's um, good to know for people that it that doesn't necessarily have to be right near the hospital, especially if you're renting a car. Um, I would think too, like the things that I would put in a priority are... um, like which one is going to accommodate us to be able to just do the few things that we can, yeah. you know, cause when you have a kid and I spe- I mean, again, things are different. If you just have one leg compared to both, like your availability to do things is very different. Right. Mm-hmm. But if you have a kid with bilateral, like they can't do a whole lot. So if you're in a place where they're just going to be staring at the window at another building, you know, or if there's a place that is maybe a little bit farther outside where they can look at a beach or there's a courtyard to play in or, you know, stuff like that, um, really makes a difference because Mm -hmm. just being stuck in that room is just being stuck in that room. Right. Um, and so what's going to give you a little bit more availability to try to keep your kid not going as crazy as they're going to go because they can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good. What other things that you have? I mean, I talk a lot about advocating like on this podcast, right? About not just for our kids, but also for ourselves as parents. Mm -hmm. So what do you think? What was your experience like? What, what do you want to tell other parents about the travel experience in general? Things that you did that you think you did well and things that maybe you wish you would have done. I mean, we know about the TSA care. So like that's one thing, let's look that up. Okay. What other things like that do you think about when you're thinking back? Um, I, you know, I think the one thing is, is that if there's somebody that's considering it, but afraid, Mm -hmm. I would say, don't be afraid. Um, you know, I mean, we've talked so much about how resilient these kids are and how they all just seem to just thrive and whatever. And for Aaron, this is 
like this is part of his story and he's older. So it's part that he remembers and it's yeah. like a great big adventure for him, mm-hmm. you know, um, for, <laughs> for anybody that gets the book, like his entry is like 100%. Like this was mm-hmm. an adventure and yeah. it gives him a little bit of ownership to it. Also, you know, he really, um, of course, you know, he gets on the airplane and like, everybody's asking him, you know, oh my goodness, yeah. like what happened? And, um, and so then he gets to tell so many people his story and he gets, you know, and of course, like one of our flight attendants had a brother with Clubfoot, yeah, and, um, and so it gives them a chance to kind of go on a journey and have an adventure and a story to tell with their club foot, you know? Um, and so, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds overwhelming and it's, you know, in many ways I'm the the wrong person to talk to because we had so many things lined up that just didn't. And, you know, one of our friends in California that went before us, like things went great. Like there were no problems. There were no issues, like things just, and so, um, you know, I, I, like I would be even more of, of a testament for what you're saying. Like, even though it didn't go according to plan, and even though you guys kind of ran into all these hiccups, and Aaron um, had more discomfort than you ever anticipated, if you're still saying, "Don't be afraid," yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. like that's a big deal, right? Because. Yeah. I mean, I ran into a bunch of bumps that we're all afraid of having happen, right? And the reality is you're still here on the other side saying it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's going to be okay. And it's, I mean, it's hilarious. Cause like you were just saying, like, I don't consider St. Louis, I'm not hating on St. Louis, but yeah, I don't consider yeah. it a destination. It's never a place I would have ever dreamed to go. Yeah. And it's hilarious because I find myself constantly telling people what a great city it is it and is how city. fun yeah. it was to visit and how like you know it's so it oh it opened up like just this other part of the the world really yeah <laughs> right um you know and both of my kids now are like do we ever get to go back to St. Louis and I'm like I don't know but um I know, you know so it's, yeah so I would I would not um I wouldn't be afraid of that and I think you know over and over again, I don't know how many times like you could say it, I could say it is to just encourage parents to trust their instinct. You know, I think that that should be like, you know, when we have kids like before Lamaze class, like start teaching parents to trust their instincts, because like you said, you're with these kids, you watch the way they walk, you like, you know, your kid and, um, and finding a practitioner who's going to listen to what your observations are about your child is very, very valuable because yeah. you're the one that's with them. They see a small little portion. And if yeah. anybody else's kid is like mine, he walks really great when he's in front of the doctor. And, yeah, of course. And when he's at home, yeah. he's the yeah. best. Yeah, it's like and, when you take your kid into the doctor and they've been coughing all night and you get in there and I'm like, can you just have one cough? Just yeah. one. You've kept me exactly. up all night. Exactly. And like, no, I'm magically better. And you're like, oh Lord. Yeah. Um, you know, so just I mean to trust mm-hmm. to trust that instinct and um and to not be afraid to ask the questions, mm-hmm. you know. Um yeah. I work, I work with a lot of really great providers and the really, really great ones are the ones that are okay with and encourage parents to ask yeah. questions, encourage yeah. their patients to ask questions. Yeah. And, you know, there, there are so many that are to no fault of their own, like overworked and, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. 
don't have time for that within their appointment, their schedule, whatever. And, you know, so I'm not, I'm not blaming them, but, um, but find the providers that let you ask questions and, and advocate for your kid. Yeah. I think that's so important. Well, thanks so much, Angie. I feel like this was so helpful. I think yeah. I took the most notes that I've ever taken Yay. in a podcast just because I was like trying to write it all down because I think, well, I'll try to do some posts that kind of consolidate a little bit that go along with this yeah. episode so that people will do like a little bit, a post about your tips from flying, post about your tip from accommodations, like how you made the decision. I think that'll really help um, consolidate. So anyways, I learned a lot and I'm super grateful for you being here and sharing more of your story than you've already shared. So oh, yeah, so much. definitely. Of course. Awesome. And then, well, thanks for having me. The part that Angie was talking about with Aaron is that with the upcoming anthology, which there'll be another podcast coming out, the anthology will be coming out relatively soon, um, that Aaron has a piece in that. And Yay. so does Angie. And so it's really cool. So it'll be a good opportunity for you guys to hear even a little bit more about their experience. So, yeah. Yeah. Aaron, has, just... Aaron has an awesome, I mean, he, yeah. he, he can encourage, I think he can encourage parents as much as kids because yeah. his yeah. viewpoint is very positive despite a lot of things potentially not going the way we had planned. Yeah. Yeah. He's an amazing, he's an incredible kid. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks so much, Angie. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. I want to send a huge thank you to Angie for being a guest on today's podcast and just telling her, us all about her experience with traveling with Aaron for his relapse treatment. So if you found this episode helpful or you know someone who might be going through something similar, please share the episode with them. And if you need to get in contact with me, you can do so through my website at MaureenHoff.com or my Instagram account at Clubfoot Chronicles Mom. Until next time.